Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's good to share this time of worship and fellowship with each of you today, and we welcome you. And we, we welcome our guests, especially if you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family. And welcome back, Jerry and Adele. We're glad to see you all here. <laughs> Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. If you would uh, take those and fill them out, we would certainly appreciate, the, appreciate that so we can have a, a record of your attendance with us today. And we've got a number of, of announcements I'd like to call to your attention today. This is one of those days where everybody keeps coming up to me. Can you announce this? Can you announce that? So here we go. Hang on. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Uh, first of all, thank you to the, uh, the Midway class for breakfast this morning. Uh, always good to share a time of fellowship in the morning and to uh, share a, a, a good uh, donuts and coffee and orange juice and things. So thank you for the Midway class for that. Uh, but we're not done eating for the day, folks. Uh, we are eating again at 1 o'clock. Come on out to Audubon State Park, to the uh, Lakeview uh, Pavilion out there, and join us for a picnic this afternoon. It's going to be a great day for a picnic, so we invite you all to come and share that time with us today. Uh, Jika, I think you had an announcement about the blood drive for, for today. I'm making an extra appeal today because we got word from the Blood Cross, Red Cross uh, headquarters that due to the hurricane, besides there being other families uh, and people injured and in need of blood, all the drives that were scheduled down there for the weekend had to be canceled. So there were like 1,300 people that were going to donate that were not able to because of cancellations plus an added need. So if you not, have not signed up and are uh, eligible to give blood on Wednesday, please see me after church, uh, and I will sign you up. Also, those of you that are uh, have already uh, agreed to donate, this is, this is your reminder. <laughs> Here it is, and it's Wednesday, 2 to 6. And if you have forgotten your particular time, then you can see me. I've got the sheet here. It's piano after church. Otherwise, I will see you on Wednesday. And thank you for those who have agreed to donate and uh, volunteer uh, at the tables. And remember now, that, uh, you can uh, do your history online in advance. So... Uh, if you have any question about how to sign up for that uh, at home on your computer, you can do it up to, I think it's, uh, you have to do it the day before and no sooner, no, no earlier. Uh, if you need anything ab about that, this sheet is on the table. Feel free to pick one up to give you some information. Otherwise, see me. Thank you. Kirk, I think you had an announcement as well. My Sunday school class is wearing me out. <laughs> They're active group of seniors. We had an awesome time with Sandy Patty, and we ended up closing out O'Charlie's last night. And before I left, one of my class members said, Oh, I just saw this. Let's go do this. Here's what it is. The Bell of Cincinnati is coming to port here in western Kentucky and has not been here in several years. Um, it will be in Henderson on Wednesday, October 19th. It boards at 6.30. You can choose to eat dinner. And we decided since we've never been on a riverboat before, we want to eat next to the window. Uh, or you can sign up and just ride along for the two hours uh, as a sightseeing. The cost would be about 25 to $30 if you're going to just board and sightseeing. The cost would be somewhere between 50 and $60 if you want to eat. Um, the riverboat will also be in Owensboro on Friday, October 12th. Same times, same prices. If that interest you, please call the church office and give your date 
and which of those two options you're interested in. And then I will call on Wednesday and get the group rate prices. So they, I don't know how much difference that would be. Um, so we're going on another excursion. Thank you, Kirk, and thank you for uh, arranging for the Sandy, uh, San, the Sandy Pandy, the Sandy Patty concert last night. It was a, a great time. It was had by by everyone. It was a great concert. So thank you for arranging that for last night as well. Uh, one other thing, uh, well, a couple of things actually. Many of you know that our custodian uh, Michelle um, uh, Brown, her brother passed away uh, just a couple of days ago. The funeral will be tomorrow. Um, and but as a result of that, he's been very sick for quite a while. He's had cancer and been very sick, and she has spent a lot of time uh, taking care of him, being with him, and just just meeting his needs. Um, and as a result of that, she's missed a lot of work and has not been able to to be here. And so she has you know expenses that she has to meet. So we are as a as a church family are going to gather around her and su- and support her. So we're taking up a love offering for Michelle to kind of cover some of the uh, some of the things that that she is incurring at a time when she hasn't been working. So if you would like to contribute uh, to that and to show your love for Michelle, please see either Greg or Christine, and we will be sure to get that uh, to her. Also, our, our hoops and cheers basketball and cheerleading program will be starting this weekend. Our first uh, first game is Saturday, so I hope you can be there for that and just uh, have a time of you can volunteer and just your presence is very important for that. Uh, but at the very least, keep that in your prayers. One of the things that I am thankful for is all of you, and I if I uh, if unless I'm missing everything. I think you're thankful for everybody that's here as well. You're thankful for each other as well. So let me invite you now to stand up and express that gratitude for one another just by sharing the love of Christ with one another.
Let us pray together. God of all blessings, source of all life, giver of all grace, we thank you so much for so much. For the gift of life, for the breath that sustains us, for the food of this earth that nurtures us, for the love of family and friends without which there would be no life. We thank you for the mystery of creation, for the beauty that we behold as we watch a sunset or gaze at your mountains, for the awe that we experience when we behold the expanse of space and realize just how small we really are. We thank you for setting us in communities, for families who shape us into who we are. We thank you for friends who love us, for companions at work who share the burdens of our tasks, for strangers who welcome us into their lives, for people from other lands who call us to grow in our understanding, for children who give us so much joy, for babies who offer us hope for the future. We thank you, O God, for this day, for life and one more day to love, for opportunity and one more day to work for justice and peace, for neighbors and one more person to love and and to be loved by, for your grace and one more experience of your presence, and for your promise to be with us, to be our God, and the gift of your salvation. For these and all of the blessings that you give to us, O God, we give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
down, children. Uh, Kirk's going to be doing your children's moment. He's filling in for Miss Sue. many of you are on fall break? Me too. Me too. And let me tell you something. Teachers love fall break and snow days way more than kids do. Way, way more. Well, uh, do you like doing science at school? Yes. This year I'm kind of, you don't? Well, let's see if we can do a little science here at church. Jesus Jesus was in all kinds of things like that. How many of you have to change centers? Like in the afternoon, you rotate centers? Anybody? You have to rotate centers? Yeah. We're going to do a little science experiment. Well, let me tell you about God's Word. Because it's a great, big, long chapter book. And we split it right here. Anybody know the name of this part? What are all these books? Which testament? Oh, which one? The Old Testament. It's before Jesus was born. This part is called the what testament? The New Testament. And it's all about Jesus' birth and life and what he left for us to do. The very first book in the New Testament is called Matthew. It's named after a boy. And here's our science experiment. So, ready? Science can be icky and gooey. Take your fingers and lick them. <laughs> Hold out your wet fingers. Ready? Hold them out. Hold them out. Hold them out. Out. Oh, science can get messy. Oh. Okay, is that everybody? Okay. Now listen to what Jesus said. You and me and everybody here. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. what taste, salt tastes like. Mm, tastes like a bag of Ruffles potato chips. <laughs> well, I love Ruffles potato chips. Now, usually science, you know, you have to get a lot of people involved. So everybody sitting out here who's not a child, you take out your device, Whichever device you have, get these up, get these up. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light, we're going to stand up and look around, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Kirk. Let us stand, please.
always makes me cry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Miss Patricia uh, is not feeling well today, so we'll say a little prayer for her. Please pray with me. Oh, God, help us as we share this offering this morning to give with grateful hearts. Well aware that we have been blessed, open our eyes and our minds so we might not miss the blessings you have bestowed and the voice to offer our appreciation. We pray in your name. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leopards approached him, keeping their distance, and they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Then he saw them. He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Have none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
There is an ancient legend about two angels who came to earth to gather people's prayers. Wherever people bowed in prayer, by their bedside at night or in a chapel or perhaps on the side of a mountain, the angels would stop to gather their prayers into into baskets. However, before long, the basket that was carried by one of the angels grew very heavy with the weight that he, that he had collected of the prayers. But the basket carried by the other angel remained almost empty. You see, into the first basket were put the prayers of petition. Please give me this. Can I have that, please? But into the other basket went the prayers that simply said, Thank you. Your basket seems light, said one angel to the other. Yes, replied the one who carried the basket containing the thank you prayers. And then he added, people are usually ready enough to pray for what they want, but very few remember to thank God when God grants their requests. Would you not agree that these two words are words that distinguish us as human beings from the rest of the animal kingdom? Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who have smartphones, and I know you do because you were waving around just a little while ago, but those of you who have smartphones may have discovered that that one of the most frustrating things about using them is that when the voice inside of your smartphone, Siri or Cortana or whichever one you, you, you use, when that voice gives you the information that you're looking for, there's nobody to say thank you to. I mean, not not without looking like an idiot. Thank you, Siri. (laughs) But that need, that need to express our gratitude, that's one of the most affable human characteristics. Some of us are even tempted to say thank you to to Siri or, or, or maybe thank you to the ATM when we get cash out or... Or, or, or our GPS when she gets us safely to our destination. Thank you, Garmin, for your, 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 your accurate directions. And yet still there are too many people who simply ignore this simple act of courtesy, of expressing their gratitude towards others or expressing their gratitude towards God. Sam Leibowitz was a brilliant criminal lawyer who saved 78 people from dying in the electric chair. But you know what? He said not a one of them ever said thank you. In the the heyday of radio, Art King had a program called Job Center of the Air, and he supposedly found jobs for over 2,500 people, and yet he says that only 10 of those people that he found jobs for ever said thank you. An official of the United States Postal Service in charge of the dead letter uh, box in Washington, D.C., reported that one year he received hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of letters to Santa Claus asking Santa to bring many things, many toys, many objects. And, but after Christmas, only one letter came back to thank Santa Claus for bringing the toys that they asked for. For some reason, there is, there is something within the spirit of many people that resists that simple act of saying, thank you. So let's think about this event in the life of Jesus this morning. He was walking with his disciples along the, the border of Samaria and Galilee when, when they came across a group of lepers, ten of them in all. Both, uh, they were both Jews and Samaritans. Now, normally, Jews and Samaritans did not make it a practice of hanging out with each other, but it's, it's amazing how mutual misery can cut across those social and, rac- and racial and religious barriers. I guess when you're hurting like these lepers were hurting, you can't afford those uh, silly prejudices that afflict the rest of humanity. But somehow when these lepers saw Jesus, they, they knew that he could help them. Was it something in his appearance that made them think that? Something about the way he carried himself? Maybe it was the expression of love on his face. Or, 
Or, or surely Jesus' reputation preceded him. Like so many other occasions in Jesus' life, maybe they had heard about the miracles that he had performed elsewhere. And, and in an act of desperation, they sought him out. And you can almost hear the desperation in their voice, in their cry. Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And how could Jesus deny a request like that? I mean, after all, that's why Jesus came here, wasn't it? His kingdom was not a kingdom of power and strength, but rather it was a kingdom of of service and love. And, you know, I think that we sometimes forget that, don't we? Even in the church, we forget that, that love and service for others is what we are called to do as God's people. If we are allowed to, if we are to follow the, the, the ways of Jesus, we need to follow the ways of love and service for others. I read a funny story about a man who, was, who had injured his thumb on the job. He was working and he hit his thumb on something, injured his thumb, and he was told by his foreman to go to the clinic. And so he stepped inside the clinic door and he saw there an empty room with only a desk and two chairs, and then towards the back of the room there were two doors. One of the doors was marked illness, and the other was marked injury. And so the man thought to himself, well, I'm not sick, I I just hurt my thumb. So he walked through the door that was marked injury. And he found himself in a second room, also with a desk and two chairs, and at the back of the room there were two doors. One door was marked internal, and the other door was marked external. And so the man thought to himself, well, it's my thumb that's hurt, not something inside. So he walked through the door that was marked external. He found himself once again in yet another room, and it was empty except for two, uh, two chairs and a desk. And at the back of the room were two doors. One was marked therapy, and the other was marked treatment. And so he thought to himself, well, I don't need counseling or physical therapy or anything like that. So what I really need is somebody to look at my thumb. And so he walked through the door marked treatment. And he found himself in a fourth room. And again, it was empty except for a desk and two chairs. And at the back of the room, there were two doors, one marked major and the other marked minor. And so he thought to himself, well, it's not really a major injury. It's just my thumb. So he walked through the door marked minor. And he found himself outside the clinic on the street. Well, he went back around to the front of the building, went back to his workstation. And when the foreman saw him, he asked, were they able to help you? And the man said, well, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you one thing. That's the best organized outfit I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Organization is a wonderful thing, but the real question is, are people being helped? And really, that's the only question that should be asked about a clinic. And the only question that should be asked about a church. Yes, an effective church needs to be well organized, but the best organized church in the world might as well shut its doors if it's not helping people. Jesus saw that as his whole reason for being here. It was to reach out to people. And that's our reason for being here too. So when he came across these lepers, Jesus sought to minister to them. However, he took an an unusual approach to this task. You, You see, instead of laying hands on them or speaking a word of healing over them, he simply said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, this is interesting. Uh, The Old Testament required that a leper who had been healed would have to have that healing validated by a temple priest. But these lepers were not healed yet. And so, in other words, Jesus was requiring them to take a leap of faith. They were to begin their pilgrimage to show themselves to the priest even before they had been healed, before that healing had had begun. And that's faith. But something tremendous began to happen. Because Luke tells us that 
as they were making their, their journey to present themselves to the priests, their skin began to show signs of healing. Their wounds began to close and they were suddenly and wondrously healed. And, and, and this had a remarkable effect upon them. Imagine, no longer would they be outcasts in their community. No longer would they be rejected by their, their own families. They were clean. And can't you just see them jumping and, and shouting and, and, and all sorts of celebration going on? They're healed. Amazing. What a celebration that must have been. These, these guys with decaying and disfigured bodies suddenly discovered that they had been made whole again. Surely they were delirious with joy. And yet only one of them came back to say thank you. And that one was a Samaritan, the one you would least expect. Were not all ten cleansed, asked Jesus? Were, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to the grateful Samaritan, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Hmm. Now, I think that's interesting. Uh, he told this one Samaritan, one that was healed, this leper, your faith has made you well. But what about the others? We're told that they were healed as well, weren't they? Did he unheal them? I don't think so. Did he reserve wellness for the ones who came for the one who came back? I don't think so. So what did he mean when he told this Samaritan, "Your faith has made you well"? I think that Jesus knew that these lepers were not completely healed until they learned how to say thank you. They might have been healed on the outside, but they were not completely healed until they learned how to say thank you. Their bodies may have been made whole, but their hearts were still diseased. They did not, if they did not feel a profound sense of gratitude in their lives for what they had experienced, then they were not completely healed. And it doesn't matter how stunning your physical appearance may be. It doesn't matter how impressive your intellectual credentials may be. It doesn't matter how complete your material success may be. If you are, you are still morally and spiritually inadequate if you have not learned how to say thank you to the one who is the source of all that you are and all that you have. You see, saying thank you, first of all, is a statement of our character. You know, saying thank you is one of those things in life that separate the sheep from the goats. Uh, everyone, we all probably feel gratitude, but to go to the trouble of expressing that gratitude is a sign of character. It says something about the kind of person that you are. There's a, a, a beautiful motion picture uh, years ago. It's called Song of Norway about composer Edvard Grieg's struggle to succeed as a, as a composer. And Grieg had a friend who assisted him along the way, and he struggled to, to make a name for himself as, he, as a composer. And indeed, Grieg's friend basically just poured his life into making this brilliant young composer a success. But later on, this friend lay dying, and he sent word to Edvard, come see me. But by this time, Edward was a star. There were concerts to go to and receptions and famous people to meet. And Edward never made it back to his friend's bedside. He never went to the trouble of simply acknowledging his gratitude to someone who had helped him at great personal expense. So I guess you could say that Edward Grieg was a tremendous composer. But as a man, he was not that much. And that's the kind of attitude that disturbed Jesus. These nine men may have been jumping and shouting with bodies that were now whole and strong, but they still had leprosy of the heart because saying thank you to them or for them was too hard. 
and that's a statement of character. Saying thank you is also a statement of grace. You know, I think that the one that one of the greatest barriers that uh, some people have to saying thank you is our pride. Uh, for some people, it's there's just something that keeps us from acknowledging our dependence on anyone else, even God. I guess we fancy ourselves as self-made persons. We like to think that we have no one to thank but ourselves. But folks, let me tell you something. That would be wrong. You know, I'm convinced that, that this may be a major detriment to the joy that today's church should be experiencing in our lives. Because how can we thank God for our deliverance from sin and death? when we're convinced that we're really not all that bad. You know, how can we really be thankful for what God has done for us when we think we're really not that bad and we we really deserve everything that God's been doing for us? We don't see our sickness. And so how can we thank our physician? Years ago, the Associated Press carried a story about a woman in Seattle who carried on an extensive search for a a U.S. Army doctor who had saved her life in a Nazi death camp more than a half a century earlier. She said, I wish I could talk to him, this older woman. I wish I could thank him and tell him it's wonderful to see him again and, and, and to just say thank you. It seems that in May of 1945, U.S. troops liberated a concentration camp in in Austria, and and a doctor who was a part of that liberating army treated this woman who was a prisoner there. And she had spent five months in that camp. She had not eaten in weeks, and she remembered the kindness and the respect that this doctor showed to her. But she never had the opportunity to say thank you. And so for more than 20 years after she came to the United States, she searched diligently to locate him just to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving my life. It was a need that she had within her to do that. John Newton felt that same way when God rescued him from the guilt that consumed his life because he had engaged in the business of moving human cargo, slaves across the ocean to America. And that's why he wrote that beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's a hymn of gratitude and praise. Now, you and I are pretty nice people. We're decent folks here, and we're certainly not slave traders Yet still, if we were to look deep into our hearts, I think some of us would probably find a spiritual leprosy there. Something that denies the love and the charity of others. Something that degrades our dignity as children of God. Something that twists and distorts that which is good and wholesome and eternal. And if we could only see ourselves... As God sees us, in our incompleteness and imperfection, then I think that we could not help but to cry out with joy and with gratitude that the God of all creation, the the God of all blessings, accepts us and loves us. And God gave God's Son for us in spite of our sinful nature. So saying thank you is a statement of character. And it is a statement of grace. And then finally, saying thank you is a statement of worship. In fact, if you think about it, that's why we're here today, isn't it? Yeah? Isn't that why we're here today? That's what our hymns are all about. That's what our offerings are are about. That's what our prayers are about. In every part of our worship, it it is our humble way of saying to God, thank you. That's why we worship. 
And that's why worship is not optional for the Christian. It's what being a Christian is all about. Native American chief Dan George, in his book titled My Heart Soars, describes that kind of gratitude when he tells about his love for his father. He writes, I I remember as a little boy fishing with my dad up Indian River, and I can still see him as the sun rose above the mountaintop in the early morning. I can see him standing by the water's edge with his arms raised above his head while he softly moaned, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It left a deep impression on my young mind, he says. And I'm sure it did. You see, that's why we are here today. We're here to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for saving us and loving us and watching over us and caring for us and taking care of us. Thank you, God. It is a statement of our character to say thank you. It is a statement of our faith to say thank you. And it is the reason that we have gathered here for worship today and every day. It is to say thank you. And so here's your homework. Sorry, I know it's fall break. But you got homework anyway. Do it today. Take the time. Stand before God and simply say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. Don't we? I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Thank you. (laughs) And one reason we have so much to be thankful for is that God is so good. So let us sing this song joyfully and with thanksgiving. God is so good. Gracious and merciful God, you are so good to us. You who pour out abundant blessings upon each of our lives. We have worshipped you here today with grateful hearts. Your works are mighty and your faithfulness is unending. 
Your love is unconditional and your name is holy. And we give you thanks, O God, for every blessing you send our way. Help us, O Lord, to live our lives this week and every week resisting the temptation to take for granted our relationship with you. Help us, O God, to truly be your grateful children always and forever. Amen. Amen. See you at 1 o'clock.